Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Spirit of EQ podcast. My name is Luke Cavanaugh. I'm your host for today. And today we're going to be talking with Giovanni Leone about a topic that is literally going to change the world and change life as we know it. We just don't know exactly how yet. Uh, the topic, as you might guess, is artificial intelligence. Um, and Giovanni is my guest today, Giovanni Leone. He is with uh, Credo AI, um, longtime former colleague of mine. We've known each other for in, in many different uh, iterations and places. And now uh, Giovanni's carrying the torch for ethical use of AI in businesses. Um, so Giovanni, I'm going to throw it over to you now. Please introduce yourself for us. Thank you, Luke, and uh, really appreciated to be able to be on this podcast. I'm really looking forward to the conversation and happy to, to see that this is one another iteration of the cycle of our, our engagement over the years. Yeah. Um, so I've been deep into the topic of improving businesses, processes, deep into business operations, analytics and AI and ethical use of AI for the past 20 years. Um, it's closing up on 25 as it is. And one thing that has, uh, why I've been engaging in the topic of how to improve business with data and how to be able to bring in the human perspective um, has been that we can, we can create such great efficiencies uh, and better products and better services with the use of data and AI. But as you get close and understand how that is being used in organizations, it becomes a higher realization that it needs also to cater for the impact it has on humans and society, both within the organization and how it impacts the world around us. Um, and we're starting to see an increased need as the increased use of AI comes across society, not only in our smartphones and, and through smart products and services, or the use of chat GPT, um, but actually fundamentally change of how we businesses and organizations function, mm. the, the, the interest and demand of saying, how do we also cater for the demands that technology should serve good, mm -hmm. not only creating efficiency, but also positive impact on, on, on people and society. And mm -hmm. uh, so happy to be on, on this conversation today with you uh, to kind of delve into these topics in, in multiple dimensions. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the introduction, Giovanni. And I want to make sure we don't miss, um, just tell us in a couple of words, Credo AI, what is what is what does Credo AI do and what's your role there in, in that company? Yes. So Credo AI is a software company providing a SaaS platform for responsible AI governance to support organizations to bring in their frameworks that are relevant to steer AI and govern AI. So it's to support organizations to bring in their own uh, ethical internal policies around AI or external frameworks like standards or regulation or guidelines to be able to steer the use of AI. So it aligns with the internal values of an organization, mm. but also aligns with external demands and frameworks. Mm -hmm. um, this is, I would, and that's something that is quite, it's a complex topic, while it's also quite straightforward that mm. there's always a need to steer uh, technology and, and how it's used. It, the only difference is that the platform that we provide 
is to support that across organizations and it's quite novel technology. And my role there is head of business strategy and development. I engage to see how we can progress this uh, uh, across the world with both uh, uh, customers and partners and uh, to be able to see how we can support them on the journey of building the capability around AI governance. Yeah, this is that's great. Yeah, so you're doing real work um, around ethical use of artificial intelligence right now, today, which is fantastic. Um, with the way you frame it, to me, you know, it, it's and this is this is really what we're going to talk about today. Is not really you know what's AI. It's it's not it's not it's not an attempt to go into all the things that AI might be in the future. We'll talk a little bit about that, but it's really about it's really about trying to. Um, Think about the change process that people are going to go through, that businesses are going to have to go through, and how we can turn that into potentially a positive change process, right? Because when you talk about, you know, the need for the use of AI to align with company values, I think when you when you think about the the magnitude of the change that AI will bring, um, that's really to me sounds like an opportunity to kind of you know, reframe, reframe the role of values even um, in business operations and how, how beneficial businesses really are to the people that work for them and, and their experience there. Um, so it's a great opportunity. So let's, um, let's step back here now. You know, th this is, it's an, it, this is, I introduced this as saying AI is, you know, something that's going to change the world as we know it, right? Um, and life on earth, and we don't know exactly how. I thought for, you know, I've been, we've been talking about having this conversation for a few weeks now. So I've thought about what's the first question I should ask Giovanni. And I'm still honestly not sure what the, like, what the first question is. And metaphorically, I think that's a good thing to kind of admit. It's like, I don't really know where to start. And, um, and, and the whole, to me, I mean, I think to the, to the average person who my familiarity with AI is I've dabbled in chat GPT. I would think that's probably the average, maybe, maybe the average person's familiarity with AI, you know, or, or maybe I'm even, I don't know, would you say I'm even in the early majority having dabbled with chat GPT at all? I would say so. Uh, yeah. And I would say so. And I think that's that our experience of, of AI is is both early but also widely used. Mm. Um, mo most people um, are in some way directly or indirectly in contact with smartphones. Mm -hmm. Smartphones are walking AI devices. Mm. It, they are developed in a, such a way to be a, a smart symbiosis of hardware, software, and, and applications. Um, these are uh, fueled with smart use of algorithms. Um, and we are using them on a daily basis, directly mm -hmm. or indirectly. Um, it's a pervasive part of our society. And the more digital solutions out there um, are highly infused by artificial intelligence. So I think that we are close to AI in many ways, uh, mm. shapes and form. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's still a very small um, um, small uh, share of organizations across the world that are fully AI mature, that have mm. embedded it in their organization. I think a lot of talk, majority are talking about it. Majority are wanting to start their journey of how to use it and embed it in their organizations. But uh, uh, as uh, as uh, as was stated by the last earnings call by Accenture, their perception is that only ten percent of organizations are AI mature as of today. Okay. 
So we're still in the beginning of full adoption of using this technology as organizations. We're meeting in them, meeting AI as products and services. But I think kind of to kind of where to start off this conversation, I think one need to acknowledge that as with most technologies, whether that has been uh, electricity uh, or it has been computers, um, the pervasiveness of AI will come everywhere where we have digital products and solutions. It's just a matter of time when that becomes the fact. So the, the, the question is rather, how do we want that to look like? Mm -hmm. How do we want to be able to use that? And if there's no limitations to the, the, the speed of use or the efficiency to use something of a, uh, of a digital product or service, what do we want that to look like? Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that's maybe been one of the, the, the challenges uh, we've seen uh, over the course of the, the, at least the last 10 years that I've been into this topic specifically, is that that it's been hard to have a conversation like, okay, let's let's imagine that we can develop products and services in whatever shape or form we want. Mm -hmm. How do we want that to look like? Mm -hmm. What requirements do we have on that? Uh, the use of data and algorithms, and what is the human experience that we want to look for? So I think that kind of the 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 giving space for that kind of discussion also mm -hmm. then kind of really caters for okay, how do we avoid it going in the wrong direction? How do we avoid it creating negative impact? And how do we cater for uh, the redesign of organizations and way of working or way of products and services going forward. Mm. Let's let's zero in then on because so so what you've said so far is we actually we actually are swimming in a sea of AI already. Most of us, right, with iPhones and and all those kinds of things and Alexas and um, but somehow this. The, the moment that we're in right now where chat GPT, I think you've called it what a hype cycle or is that, is that what you called it before? I've never heard that term before you, in our earlier conversation, just for the audience, you, you called it a hype cycle. So what, what, what leap forward does chat GPT represent right now in, in AI? I would say that whom I believe have framed it absolutely best uh, was uh, the, the former chief decision uh, um, officer at Google, Cassie Kosyarov. Uh, she, uh, she framed it as that ChatGPT was less of a revolution in AI because the, the use of transformers, which is the underlying technology and the use of large language models, which had been around for, for a couple of years before uh, last November, wasn't the big thing. The big thing was the user experience mm -hmm. of being able for anyone to just ask questions or provide large amounts of text mm -hmm. and get something rather intelligently back. Mm -hmm. And being able to have a user experience that we haven't had in the same way before. Mm -hmm. And I think this really pinpoints the key point here that it is, you can have as smart technology as possible. We can kind of get really excited about it. But it's not, it will not create a shifting change until it meets humans 
where mm -hmm. they needed to be. Mm -hmm. So right now, during the past year, we've had excitement, all this user experience fueled by, by AI, large language models and generative AI, being able to both generate text and code and, and imagery. It's been exciting. Where we're going to go through now is a phase of figuring out how does how can we use this? How does this fit into our way of working or product and services going forward? So we will go into a kind of an exploration of that. We'll meet hurdles where it doesn't work or there is not enough data uh, to do things or it's not relevant enough or they can't find a user interface that makes sense. And then we'll come into the next cycle, which is where this is adopted at scale, where we'll see a shift of tasks, we'll mm. see new products and services, we'll see a change on the demands we have on co colleagues and coworkers that are working with data and AI as an augmenter instead of just using it as a tool on the side. Mm -hmm. So we come to the change of so so if I had to like say you know imagining what you know about AI um, mm -hmm. you, you know you know more than the average person right now but you still don't have a crystal ball that can predict the future right but if you were guessing I mean if I had to really put pressure on you right now and say like three to five years from now um, let's imagine you know more organizations are as you say AI mature or this is really kind of much more embedded in everyday life. What are what are like two or three areas of real big change that are gonna that's gonna impact humans who are in the workforce today? What yes. what, what would you guess? My I would guess that there's three fields of areas where we'll see a fundamental shift, uh, uh, which uh, some of them will be maybe not seen by the many, and some will be seen by the broader society. Um, how customer interactions and marketing will be done going mm -hmm. forward will be more or less completely automated mm -hmm. in the way that we experience let's say customer service or customer guidance in an online but also in a physical environment where we are going through a retail shopping experience or wanting to have support or help with a buying process that will be completely optimized over time. Mm -hmm. And that can go as fast as three to five years. Mm -hmm. It may be so that we have already reached peak people in retail. Mm -hmm. It may be so that we'll already reach peak people in marketing, sales, and communication. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean that people will vanish from, from these kind of context or interfaces, it will just be a different type of role, a type mm -hmm. of role where they are working with strategy, direction, uh, working with being able to prompt, quality check, and steer mm -hmm. communication mm -hmm. and what should be said. But it will be in a much more strategic and tactical way where operations within these fields will be managed by AI uh, to its complete context. And that will entail a huge fundamental shift in both how we as, as, as people interact 
yeah. for for marketing guidance and, and sales processes but it will also impact the organizations that provides yeah. this uh, overall well of course we've seen tendencies of these with automated checkout the rise uh, and surge of online shopping yeah. but this will just escalate and the reason why this will escalate because i've been many many years within also the kind of online context and, and digital products and services is that it's really hard to meet the nuance of people's questions and needs mm -hmm. the shift with generative ai is that you can meet that nuance mm. so it's about we're we're seeing a shift is that we can the use of ai can meet the nuance of reality and it can do, do so at scale mm. still being able to meet and provide relevant product and service so we'll see a fundamental shift in sectors that are having a quite high high degree of people in the workforce because the Pro, the, the kind of service um, and guidance that is provided today will not be necessary uh, to the same degree, and it will shift the way of how it does. So I, I think that will be most apparent mm -hmm. in the shorter time frame of three to five years. Uh, what also will be a radical uh, move uh, and shift is, which is maybe not as seen, but it's the internal mechanics of organizations so the creation like the execution of administrative tasks the execution of of let's say it departments uh development of code um to be able to manage internal workflows of information that will to a very high degree also be automized because mm. it can be steered uh, in a clearer way and it can meet the nuances that otherwise have been compensated by people can then be managed by smart products and services used within organizations so we will see an a great shift of white collar work on one side for internal uh more administrative tasks and we'll see a, a huge shift in services mm. in terms of how to be able to meet product people in, in guiding them um through through uh, the experience of products and services yeah so you talked about i mean two areas there the two areas that you talked about that is you know i think just here in the united states it's it's literally it's tens of millions of people whose whose everyday work tasks are are um going to change going to you know I, there are different ways you could say it you could say it in the black hat way right or you can say it in the in the opportunity thinking way and that's i think the crux of the conversation that really interests me right now because um we talk about change i mean you, you talked a little bit about about um being at the world economic forum meeting recently i think in san francisco and uh being on an ai panel there and how the the, you know, a big part of the conversation there was just around change management and managing, you know, those two really good examples that you gave, you know, great answer to my question of what are some of the, some of the early changes or the, 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 the soonest transformations we might see as a result of AI. And you described a couple of areas that are going to impact tons and tons of people. So I want to dig into that a little bit because um, there's one change map that I work with um, from a company called Six Seconds, which is, you know, it talks about the, the cycle of forces that drive positive change and the cycle of, of 
emotions that can work against change. And so when you can generate um, emotions like excitement, courage, and curiosity, that, that drives change. When you look at things from a perspective of judgment, frustration, and fear, which is going to happen when this kind of wave of change is coming and we don't know what it means for us and whether it's going to make us obsolete as workers. Um, that's what's going to, that's what's going to create resistance in a change process. And in this case, it's not going to slow down the op, the, the, the adoption of AI by businesses. It's just going to create suffering for the people impacted by it. If we're stuck in a place of judgment, uh, frustration, and fear, and you know, I want to be clear: I'm not predicting a lot of suffering. I'm just saying that if we meet these changes, if people and organizations meet these changes with high amounts of judgment, frustration, and fear, that's going to lead to a lot more suffering as a result of this change. Would you agree with that? Yes, and I think there one one needs to also kind of see this as a kind of out of larger cycles. Have have mm -hmm. we been experiencing this before? Yes, mm -hmm. we've been experiencing the implementation of of new technologies. Uh, we've seen the impact it has on on businesses and, and how products and services are being delivered. It usually goes over a longer period of time so that's the difference today is that it just goes faster mm -hmm. usually one could have an, uh, a type of uh, training and experience that lives almost throughout your work life uh, and what we're really getting to understand now that you most probably need to reinvent yourself not one or twice but maybe three times throughout your work life Mm -hmm. uh, because it, the rate of change of how technology can um, make a difference in the business you're doing or the type of work you're executing is so much faster. Mm -hmm. So, and and we're so it's nothing new that we change and adapt. It's mm -hmm. nothing new in the difference that organizations uh, changes to it. What I think is maybe the risk as I see it is that we'll have a few organizations that are proactive. They are actively engaging their workforce. They're actively upskilling, reskilling. They're actively working with process development, um, seeing how technology will be enabled. They're redefining the ways uh, of working. They are figuring out the new interfaces with technology. They're reinventing themselves. Um, and they're doing that actively because they understand that they need to be a part of the change rather than, than waiting for it to kind of blow over. And then we'll have the organizations. So those, the former, uh, foremost uh, organizations, they're doing so to be relevant over time. And it's, of course, demands a lot of investment and a very conscious approach of seeing how does the new future look like for uh, for them as an organization and for their coworkers, the later organization, the, the organizations that are more uh, passive, they may maybe have been successful in their line of business for decades. They've been uh, have maybe excellent uh, profits uh, as of now. They have an excellently kind of um, competent workforce, and they see that as it has worked it will continue to work. And if things changes, they will have time to adapt. If they wait, the, 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 because of the rate of change, they could come to a position where their competitors uh, 
are delivering products and services that are better and 10 times of the cost base. Mm. And then suddenly those that have waited will not have years to be able to change an organization, but quarters. Mm -hmm. And what happens usually then when the constraint of time comes is that then you'll have impact on efficiency because change takes times and you will have impact will people not being geared up to have the relevant skills and the relevant tool sets to be able to go through that change in just a few quarters yeah. and with that we have negative consequences so change will come mm -hmm. change will happen it's more about how do you proactively work with it to not mm -hmm. come in that laggard situation where you'll find disruption and 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 negative consequences because you just need to do it so fast to at all stay in the market yeah yeah i mean what you described there is of course right if you because the change because it's going to the pace just continues to sort of quicken over time because like exactly what you described there that change of you know the the company in the second bucket there that's been successful for a long time and kind of you know thinks it's going to remain successful with its model into the future um and is maybe a, a little bit slower to adapt i mean you and i have been through that it's not unfair to say that ikea was that kind of company when things like e-commerce came into the mix like not a company that had been fantastically successful for a long time and probably was not particularly tech forward in the 2000s you know after the after the internet came there was some technological adoption but you know they were not cutting edge the way amazon was cutting edge they've still managed to be successful up until now i don't really know how things are technology wise in the organization right now with ai you might know that better than me but um you know our working example was the example of a company that really had to to uh scramble to catch up in certain technological areas right during during the 2000s and the 2010s and probably is still somewhat in that process and i think what i hear you saying is that's an even higher risk approach now for any company right is to just kind of take the wait and see approach because the waves just going to probably hit you so hard where as you say you're going to have quarters to catch up not years to catch up and that just might not be feasible and then when i think about the the human impact of that you know the the kind of just emotional suffering that that will bring to people that are inside of those organizations it's not the only impact that that would have but that's kind of what I'm most interested in here, especially, you know, we are in a podcast here where we talk about EQ um, and to think about, you know, the way people were, will react in, in those kinds of situations. Um, that's really something that I have a, a great interest in, in avoiding. And that's why I'm, I take an interest in the work that you're doing, because I think it, you're looking to make a positive impact there, right? Yeah, and I, and I think there, here is where it becomes really interesting because, um, because what we need to acknowledge is that humans, one, I, I fundamentally believe at least, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll state it as my own opinion, so we could be very clear. I, believe, uh, I, I think people <laughs> want, to, want to do a good job. Yeah. That's the thing. They want mm -hmm. to provide value and they want to be able to see that they are, are doing something that is irrelevant. Um, they're also that, but I think we're, what we need to acknowledge is that we have a challenge when when people identifies the themselves with a specific set of tasks mm -hmm. 
as they're part of their job identity and as it should be. Uh, because what we will know will shift is tasks. So to be able to deliver value will stay the same, uh, to be relevant will stay the same, but tasks will change in one shape or form for white collar work. Um, interactions with technology will change the way uh, uh, tasks are executed. Uh, how we're interacting across the organization and how we're being augmented by AI will fundamentally change a lot of tasks. Uh, in the end, it could be so that one still delivers, let's say, an, an, a great product, whether that is home furnishing within IKEA uh, or a digital product, let's say, like, like Netflix or, or anything else. Um, but in the end, the, 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 the types of tasks will change. Um, and an individual and then augmented to an organization that goes through a process of change the, the, I think the one of the key po points is that how do you bring people along that journey with their buy-in that they're delivering to value for an organization, deliver to a process mm. rather than executing tasks? Because if one kind of tie, hold on tight to tasks, the risk is that when the task vanishes, it's almost like ripping out the rug underneath yeah. people um and that of course if, if the acknowledgement is meant that we will change tasks or they will vanish and morph into something else how does one how does one proactively work with actually creating the preconditions to be able to do so um in, in a in a relevant way because my experience have have been over the years of driving development within organizations both ikea and beyond is that the best people to drive positive change are the people that are already working for organization. Their yeah. implicit knowledge of how business works, the implicit understanding of business processes and market understanding and organizational understanding is invaluable when going through that kind of change process. So the highest assets, if one would say so, are the people while at the same time, those are the, the, the most challenging parts of a change journey for an organization. It's easy to find a, a new policy, a new strategy, maybe even a tactical plan how to move forward. The hard part is actually having people on that journey, both being able to feel that they find their own new place in the new way of working, but also being able to continually contribute with their knowledge. Yeah. And the, and the challenge there, you're right. When you, when you identify people as the greatest asset, but also in some ways, the greatest challenge. Right. And I, what I see is that, that what, what creates that the uniqueness and the challenge is largely, uh, that's largely an emotional question because what happens in change is, you know, our, the way, part of the way our brains work is they're constantly trying to predict the future, predict what's going to happen in order to keep us safe in the future in or, and also in order to be efficient. So our brains predict what what's what's going to happen in the future um, based on what they know from the past. And then when we have something that's coming in totally out from the side like AI that we don't know what to make sense of, it generates these, these emotions like, okay, be scared of this. Okay, be 
you know, be, uh, be, uh, be judge this, judge this, keep yourself safe, safe, stay away from it, run away from this. These are just the, the things that brains do to try and keep us safe. They're not the greatest adaptations. They're from times when we had to run away from tigers to stay safe. You know, we don't really need to, you know, AI is, is not a tiger that's trying to eat us, but our, many people's brains may see it that way. Um, and that is, the question for me is, so when you talk about, it's a really interesting point, when you talk about um, the need for people not to identify themselves with a set of tasks and to remain sort of flexible and agile, that's really what people need to train in now. And that's a highly valuable personality trait, I guess, in this coming, in this coming change. What I see is that's not really what companies say that they're looking for. I mean, if you look at a job yeah. at anywhere, it's all it's that's we need you to be good at 75 different tasks. Right. Yeah. And it comes from it comes. It, do, it does come from a point of where that has been successful. Yeah, it has comes from the point where we. So I, I, I see this as kind of a, it's, a, it's a cycle we've been going through where we're becoming more and more specialized. We're becoming more and more detailed, kind of being part of a cog, like a, becoming that really super sharp cogwheel in a yeah. big machine. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember when we were working um, in, in supply chain, uh, you and me, Luke, back at IKEA, it were 200 roles that mm. was along that supply chain. And each one of these 200 roles worked in perfect, like synchronized, synchronized harmony to be able to make an, an, a global supply chain work. So the, the necessity of being very specific on tasks has come from a point of, of good because one wanted to be able to yeah. kind of gear up people with the, with, the, with the capability to deliver, to be, that, to, to be that critical piece in a big machinery. The challenge is that when things go fast in terms of change, we may not even know how that task list will look tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So that's the, 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 the so the rate of change is going so fast, and the keep where where we as individuals contribute with value will shift. So keeping on the same kind of of um, approach of being being detailed with tasks is actually suboptimal because we're not gearing up people with the right preconditions because we're actually stating something that is not really factual because the task necessary for tomorrow or next year will be different. But I think it's more about we need to maybe take one step back and talk about the capabilities that or that individuals need to be able to do yeah. to be able to deliver value. And then yeah. value comes in, okay, what is what do you bring as a human to complement and to be and to be augmented by technology, and then the tasks will shift as technology's capabilities changes over time. So, for instance, let, let's let, if we take a few examples. So, what what we've seen is that when really senior coders are augmented with code generation, they can have a tremendously higher output because they can both get the, the fundamental work done while at the same time fine tune and identify where they see the challenges because mm -hmm. they can see the nuances of how it works. Well, the same thing with someone that is creating text. They can have great output as a draft, 
and then review and fine tune it to really have the right tone of voice and being able to wash away things that are a bit off, uh, mm -hmm. off tone or off track. And it's that kind of combination of being able to know the topic, know the context so well enough that when being augmented uh, with the use of technology uh, and, and, and AI or generative AI, then they can take it that to the next level with their competence of the context. Okay, that's. I mean, it's what I. I was almost like picturing like when you in the in the example of the senior coder, it's like the, it's the senior coder gets an extra brain to work with. That's like you know outside. He has one brain doing this, and then you know his or her brain, you know, d pr provides added provides added uh, quality really. Um, Going back to the thanks for those examples. Those those were they actually brought a lot to light for me. Going back to your point about um, about the, the the need for people to not be identified with tasks and 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 to be ready to adopt a new set of tasks really at any time or very quickly in quick time frames. Um, that we don't, you know, we we don't know what those look like tomorrow. You need to be ready for that. So, what are if you had to put words on the capabilities that are the human capabilities that are really valuable there mm -hmm. that organizations and individuals can start to develop now to be good in that context? What what are those capabilities? I, I would say that it, it uh, there are some some things one can already start today. Yeah. And one of them is is to create a general understanding and awareness of how does this technology work. Mm. Test it out yourself with ChatGPT. <clears throat> read up on 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 articles or looking up on podcasts um, to be able to really get an understanding of you know, what are they talking about. What's beneath the surface of the buzzwords, and specifically yeah. what is happening in with their own line of business. Just having a general understanding creates a, a, a kind of being able to navigate that space. I think that's one of the things. And that's curiosity, not to interrupt yes. you, but yep. it's curiosity, right? And that's one of the that's one of the one of the positive change drivers. One of the key positive change drivers mm -hmm. is curiosity. So approaching that stuff in a spirit of curiosity within ourselves is really important, in my opinion. Yeah. It is. And it's yeah. also and I kind of to, to kind of spin off that the 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 theme of curiosity is that also being curious of your fellow coworkers. Mm -hmm. So outside of your role, outside of your specific unit, how does how do you connect with everyone else? Because I think as we're going forward, one of the key most most important human capabilities you can bring to the table is to be able to understand the bigger picture, yeah. understanding how everything is connected, being able to find a common language with your, your fellow coworkers along a value chain or other cross-functional units, building up that human capability to connect with people, because that will be one of the key enablers to what where you can bring a lot of knowledge and help to, to have an organization thrive. Um, also to be able to understand your context, uh, whatever that is in a certain business or a certain uh, kind of uh, a certain uh, area of operations, understanding that contextual use will be quite important. Um, also kind of spinning off on curiosity, um, but also I would say kind of coming back to, to the reframing of tasks. 
is also to understand that in the work that one is doing today, what could be automated and what is something that really caters for the human perspective and the human where the human perspective or the human action brings really tangible value. Mm. Because I think uh, being part of the process of understanding, oh, wait now, I don't, if one has a feeling that I don't want to do these administrative tasks, then most probably there's already an AI for that mm. <laughs> to take it away. So I, I think it's more to also acknowledge that, okay, where do I bring value as a human? How can I maybe double down on, on building skills within that? And in terms of the things that can be optimized, they will be optimized over time. So it's more to see, okay, how can one understand that? So one also start to gearing up and being ready for whenever that change happen. Mm. I I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind a little bit too because you you make you make so many good points so quickly it's like this is a, it's almost like a, a, a metaphor of how AI is gonna happen so I have to keep jumping back to something you said like two points ago um, but um, when you talked about connection the the idea of connecting with others in you know in your organization you work in a larger organization or even smaller organization that one hits I want to take that down a little bit of an EQ path as well because just as your you know, carrying the torch for the ethical use of AI in organizations. I am really coming alive to the idea that um, I look at a lot of studies of, you know, the lack of engagement, the low levels of engagement that, that so many people have with their work today. Gallup just had a big one that talked, you know, um, and they, they come out time after time and you see like, you know, only maybe 20%, usually 20% of people or 25% of people are like engaged and passionate about their work as you seem to be. Um, that's a lot of people who are kind of just going through the motions and some are actively disengaged. I really, really believe that a big fundamental piece of that equation is about human connection. I don't believe people in their work every day with their coworkers in their organizations are experiencing and driving authentic connection with each other. And why that matters, you know, that's not really in anybody's business plan. You don't really see that in anybody's business plan that our workplace needs to be a place of authentic connection. But within ourselves as people, we fundamentally need that in order to be happy and fulfilled. We have a an innate need and yearning to connect with other humans on a on a deeper level in order to have happiness real lasting happiness and fulfillment and i think people are spending a lot of time at work and not getting that so why why i feel like you see connecting with other people as an opportunity to prepare yourself for the coming change of ai that's like almost to me i, I i'm like you know, um, what an opportunity. And I love that you see it that way. Do, do you follow what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think this is backed up by, by research that I've done both within enterprises like Google. How do you create like really great teams or uh, yeah. within other digital, uh, more kind of front-runner organizations, how do you deliver great products? And how where it comes down to is that you need to have the diversity of thought. You need mm. to have the divert like an an uh, the an psychologically safe environment yes. to be able to connect it where it's actually with with it's seen as positive to connect with other people mm. that you're encouraged to find a common common language between the organizations uh, between the functions 
because that and, I, and the, the reason why why is that important can't we all just be super efficient and sequential in in a perfect machinery where everything is predicted and predictable that works fine but in a rate of change that is very high and the value an organization has is how well it works on a totality it is critical for people cross-functionally to understand each other yeah and i think here's kind of where the, the piece is that we're seeing a paradigm shift that because of the higher rate of change we need to be able to understand that complete picture we need to be able to connect as humans to see where can we improve processes like for instance if you in, if you introduce an AI use of administrative processes in one piece of the business, but the other piece of the business keep on doing what they've always done, you will lose the complete impact of efficiency. Yeah. So it will be get lost. But while if you combine, let's say, the 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 kind of like the the the, the cross-functional work where you think make use of technology, everyone speaks the same language, one has that kind of a common a common purpose and ambition to drive change um, then that leads also to sustainable change for the organization at the same time they can feel that they are part of a bigger picture yeah. they feel that they can have more commitment because they're contributing to a bigger total but let us not let us also kind of to not kind of make this all rosy is that it is so hard yeah. It is so hard yeah. to connect with people that are maybe not speaking your same language, yeah. that do not have the same kind of framework as yourself, that maybe initially don't have the same goals as yourself, um, that may not have not been collaborating with you over time, that you may even have initially counterintuitive interest. Um, and here, uh, I think one needs to acknowledge that as one connect with people across the organization uh, to drive through sustainable change uh, that makes sense, it will take more effort than one can anticipate uh, to yeah. make it work. Because it's we're talking about people. It's yeah. not just a plan that is mechanical to be executed. No, it's not. And and that, that's a, just a perfect place for you to kind of land that thought, because you talked about the manager who just kind of says, you know, can't we just be efficient? Can't can't we just, you know, pursue hyper efficiency with all our tasks and and go after that and make the machine work better? You know, maybe managers don't speak like that, but how many how many leaders are are sort of oriented a little bit more toward that versus the idea of they think that's the whole answer? and have no concept of the idea of creating psychological safety, holding space for people that we know have totally different perspectives to try and integrate those perspectives, you know, um, to holding space for people to be whole people, flaws and all, be invited in, you know, to, uh, to feel safe, whole, to bring their whole self to work so that they can bring the magic that only humans can bring into this e equation. You're, I, I think you're so right that that's really important. And you're also so right that, you know, not enough organizations are on the path of really embracing how to do that well, because it does take lots of time, effort, and space. Yeah, and I, I think here is, is one, and I, I don't think it's the, I don't think it's really, neither the, 
it's neither, it's not the really the fault of 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 managers or organizations that haven't been prepared for this. I think it's more to see that instead of seeing the human dimension as the drawback, mm. the the challenge, the uncertainty, what is pulling change management back. Mm. I think one needs just to rephrase it and understand that change will not come without having humans being part of the process first, and then the mechanics of process and organization will follow. Mm. And I think it's about being able to understand, okay, in which order does this happen? Because I, I think we're trying to make, it's, it's like we were, we've had a change process, and then one have often seen like, at first we develop, develop the plan, execute the plan, and then we do a bit of change management. Um, and and now when implementing advanced technology that will have fundamental different uh, like impact on tasks, then one can't really follow that line apart because the the part of human is so radically can such have a radical effect. So you need to start with human, like mm. aligning on kind of the human mm. ambitions, aligning where that future lo looks like, then embedding them in the process of change. Uh, with the plan and the execution of it. And with that, you actually can have them on board also towards the end. Mm. I love it. I, I love I love the phrase start with human um, because that's really important. So okay, so so final question here before we kind of steer this steer the ship into port, which could be tricky here. I, I you know because I said you, you said you're in the middle of a big storm there in Sweden right now, right? So uh, but it doesn't seem like that in our conversation. Um, you are you are the CEO of of any company, the largest company in the world right now. Now I'm talking to you the way I talk to ChatGPT, trying to get a good prompt. But yeah. you're the CEO of, of of whatever company you'd like to be the CEO of. A large organization has a huge impact on the world. Um, you see the, the coming AI change, and you want to start with humans first. If you are addressing your entire workforce now, what is the most the, the the single most important thing for us as people to focus on in the next couple of years in order to get ourselves ready for transformation that we do together? What is that thing? Without a doubt, to really put it front and center, to say that the people on board today within the organization are the most valuable part of the organization. Mm. Technology will shift and change. The how the organization delivers value in terms of product services uh, and, and dividend. Like it, it will be, uh, that will change, but the most critical part to make that successful are the people. And also to be able to state that it's through the engagement of people, having them part of the change process of contributing to how to become modern and relevant at any given time will be how that success will materialize. Um, that they will be a part of shaping how that looks like and that entail that has as a precondition to bring their knowledge along the journey. Uh, but also to see that it will be a continuous change process going forward, um, which will take energy but it will be the only way for the organization to stay relevant. Without the change, 
the organization will not be relevant and will not be able to sustain and deliver value over time. Yes, that, that's the start. So being really direct with a truthful realization that this will be hard, but that a key success factor is the people on board. And I think that will leave people with us an under, like a sensation that I could be a part of the solution. I can contribute with my value. But also for those individuals, and we need to be also honest about this, those that do not want change, that do not want to change their task, they'll move elsewhere. Mm. And I think we one needs to be quite truthful about that, that some people do not want to onboard on this kind of change journey. And I think it's being that honest from day one helps a lot for the organization because then they can onboard people that would want to contribute to that kind of journey. Mm. So I want to work for the CEO who says to his organization or his or her organization, you know, people, you people who work for us, you are the most important part of this change. Uh, I want to work for the CEO who says that to their people and then and then goes out and actually um, treats their people that way as well and invests in, in them and invests in their their whole person learning and invests and understands you know the, the emotional experience that they will go through as you say you, you you boil it down to the word hard it's going to be hard because you know to a large degree it's going to be emotionally difficult for people at times and that's okay as long as your eyes open about it and accepting of that reality and not sort of fighting against it or leaving people alone in that reality and i think to me that's a that's a big that's a big piece of the equation um and uh yeah so giovanni um Thank you so much for your time and your competence today. I could I could go on, you know, in this conversation for hours. I didn't even get to twenty percent of the questions that I had. So I think maybe we we take this forward um, at another time. Um, again, Credo AI, head of business development. Any final words from you, Giovanni? No, I, I just I would like to thank you, Luke, for a great conversation. Uh, I think these are the kind of thing that you can kind of keep on talking for hours. And I think it's it's I think it's critically important that what you raised what you also raised as questions today is that how do we look upon the changes we have ahead of us, uh, both organizations generally, but also with the impact of advanced technologies AI, and see how how do we see that as a core element of success, mm -hmm. and how we can actively and consciously cater for that both the, the, the challenges that comes with it, but also where, where a core piece, of, uh, core piece of how this is successful will be how we have this top of mind from, from, uh, uh, from the start. Yeah. So I'm just really, really happy to be able to talk about these important topics and, and happy to continue the conversation at, at a later stage. Yeah, and I'm happy that you're doing the work you're doing. Please keep 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 carrying that people torch um, through this through this uh, technological revolution, and I'll be right behind you. Thanks for joining us, Giovanni. Thank you. See you next time, everybody.